Good morning, everyone. It is good to be back among you today. Now, as we uh, arrive at this passage at Genesis 12, uh, it got me thinking how everyone wants to be a child of Abraham. Well, maybe I'm exaggerating a bit when I put it that way, uh, but come with me. Let's have a think about it for a moment because in the circles of people who do know about Abraham, they want to be counted as children, as a child of Abraham. Uh, So if you read through the Old Testament, written before Jesus arrives, uh, and who do the Israelites see as the great father of their nation? Excellent. We could do this a couple more times. And when Jesus arrives on the scene and is in conflict with the religious leaders of the day, what card do they want to lay on the table to back up their pedigree? That's right. They are children of Abraham, they say. And when the writers of the New Testament want to show a wholly different way of viewing God, not a new way, mind you, but wholly different from the way the majority of the Jews viewed God, what do they choose? Who do they choose to speak of? In fact, through the thousand plus chapters of the Bible, Abraham, Abraham more than Adam who we met at the beginning of the Bible, the first man, Abraham is far more on the, under the spotlight than him. Now, you still might think my exaggeration is a little feeble, uh, but what is the impact of all of that? Well, the impact is that Jews see themselves as children of Abraham through his son Isaac. Uh, Christians see themselves as children of Abraham through Jesus. And even Islam says Muslims are children of Abraham through his other son, Ishmael. And when you start to add up how many people that affects down through time and across the world, maybe it's not such an exaggeration. Being a child of Abraham really matters to a lot of people. So why is that? why we are even talking about being a child and what's so special about Abraham that everyone wants a piece of him. With the pointy end, of course, why do you want to be a child of Abraham? Those words we heard uh, read from Genesis 12 actually mark a new beginning, a new beginning in the book of beginnings. Uh, And I do, look, I'm happy to confess it, you've probably already realised what a hypocrite I am Uh, This is a series on Genesis 1 to 11, and here I am talking about Genesis 12. But you can't do justice to what's come before, I don't think. Well, I certainly wouldn't want to leave what's come before without seeing what happens here to Abraham, or as he's called at the moment, Abram, in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. There's another thing too, uh, talking about Abraham as a key figure in the Bible and like other key figures like Moses or David or Peter or Paul, it's very easy to open up your Bible and read about them and what happened around them but miss that they are not the most important character in each of the events surrounding them. God is. Uh, God is the key character here. Have a look again at Genesis 12, and certainly Abram is named in verse 1. Remember Abraham, Abram, they're the same person. And he's told, you will go from your country, your people, and your father's household. 
And how many times in verses 2 to 3 is that same you repeated, focusing on Abraham? But even more than that, and we should always have our antenna up uh, asking, what is God doing here in any passage of the Bible? Uh, This passage, as with many others like it, uh, is really clear that whenever anything's happening, it's God who is the key character. So it's fine to look at the characters and to delve into them, but always remember he is the key character. To that end, let's have a look again at verse 1. What is the main thing happening here? It's speaking. And who is doing it? Verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. As he speaks, it's God giving a command and making a promise. Uh, Then verses 2 to 3 are all promises. And who are they made by? Again, let's read it. I, the Lord, will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham is a key character here but as always it's the Lord who is the key figure why because it's God who's speaking it's the Lord who is the promise maker it's he who is taking the initiative Now, just as the words and sentences within a passage uh, have such a key role in helping us understand that passage, so too do those around them. And as David uh, mentioned last week, none more so than the way Genesis 12, 1 to 3 follows on uh, so soon after 11, 1 to 9, so soon after the episode of the Tower at Babel. In chapter 11, it's the people who speak and plan what they'll do. In chapter 12... It's the Lord. In chapter 11, it's the people who plan to make a great name for themselves. In chapter 12, it's the Lord who will do that for Abraham. In chapter 11, it's the Lord who frustrates sinful people's plans. In chapter 12, it's the Lord who lays out his plan for sinful people. And you might remember Uh, this cycle that we've talked about before, the cycle that was repeated a number of times in this uh, passage. Did I put that slide in there? Yes. The one where we see people sin, uh, God's judgment, and then God's grace. But at the end of chapter 11, with that episode in chapter 11, we see the sin and the judgment, but we haven't yet seen the grace. It arrives in chapter 12. And so the same Lord who's powerful enough to create everything out of nothing is also willing to speak into the life of one of the very people who had denied him. He's willing to lay out his life-changing plan that we might live with him. Now the way the Lord does it is through promises. 
I think we're all pretty familiar with promises. We make promises to one another all the time, don't we? Uh, Big promises, small promises, different sizes in between promises. Uh, Agreeing to meet someone uh, somewhere on the weekend, that's a promise. Uh, Promising to love someone unconditionally for the rest of your life, uh, that's a, a promise as well. And I'm sure you can think of many more. But they're all examples of letting someone else know what they can expect even though they haven't received it already. Uh, Committing yourself to doing something for someone else. But regardless of the size of the promise, it's actually whether someone comes through with the goods that makes a promise worthwhile, isn't it? Is that your experience? Certainly mine. Nobody's impressed with the builder who promises a job on budget and by Christmas, but doesn't follow through. Uh, Same when you buy something online. It's not enough that they show the right product uh, on the the web page when you're ordering. They have to send the same thing through to you and on time. Well, the promises God makes here, these are worldwide on a scale like nothing else, bigger than any of us could ever hope to achieve. And the thing is, when we look into them and when you read on from here in the rest of the Bible, they're not only promises that benefit Abraham, but can be shared by every single one of us. They're promises that despite their grandness are delivered in full by the Lord who promises them. And the way the rest of the Bible views uh, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, you can imagine it a bit like uh, base camp at Everest. Uh, It's the starting off point of a journey that will lead to the highest point of all. And it's not even our journey so much as the wonderful journey that the Lord has led all humanity through to the summit of Jesus Christ as Lord himself. Pinpointing the promises then, you can group them here into four. Uh, It's worthwhile remembering them, uh, keeping them in mind as you read the rest of the Bible. In fact, uh, memorising the whole of uh, these three verses is incredibly helpful for your own discipleship. That's what someone suggested to me years ago and and has been so helpful. But let me sum up uh, these promises uh, with a word each. Uh, Land, nation, name and blessing. Land, nation, name and blessing. Land first, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. What's really going on here uh, when you think about it? The Lord's commanding Abraham to leave behind all the ties that bind him. Uh, Where you live and who you live with, that has a huge impact on your life, doesn't it? We all know that. And as any of you who've moved house uh, a distance know, uh, moved away from where you know, away from the people you know, that's a huge deal, isn't it? Uh, These things give us security. And the Lord commanded Abraham to leave the security that he had for something he didn't yet have. And there's a huge risk in that, isn't there? A huge cost. It has the ring of that old proverb, uh, 
to it, don't you think? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. (laughs) But what would God give Abraham? He would give him a place that would be his own. Not living on someone else's land, but on the land the Lord himself had given him and would continue to reveal himself and relate to him. Of course, that land, no secret, uh, was in the Middle East. You can even visit there still today. In fact, if I ever bring up to my children, in my children's hearing, when I was in Israel, they, uh, they mock me mercilessly. Uh, but that's not where the promise ends. And we have the benefit of hindsight and can see how the promise was kept. Yes, it First, it was Israel living in the land of Palestine, but then after Jesus, keeping that promise shifts away from that particular plot of ground to God dwelling with us by his spirit. When we trust Jesus, wherever we are, and as we look forward uh, to the time to come, we have the spirit of God dwelling with us now. And we look forward to dwelling with God in the future, face to face, forever. Now, verse 2. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. When we come to the second uh, of the promises here, one of the really striking features of the Old Testament is how having children and descendants is seen as such a privilege. Uh, The Lord promises Abraham... I will make you into a great nation. Which means only Abraham, one man, and as we read in chapter 11, verse 30, with no children, uh, do remember, uh, I think we heard this a few weeks ago, uh, how often names are significant in the Bible. Well, Abram, uh, as he's called here, his name means father. I can only imagine then how he must have felt living each day every time someone uh, was introduced to him or asked his name and hearing, oh, Abram, your name's father. How many children do you have? Having to answer, none. And even before his first child is miraculously born at the hand of God, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham and Abraham means father of many when he still had no children. It would seem cruel, except for the goodness and power of God, that he would give Abraham not only many descendants in the nation of Israel, as happened, just as promised, but that ultimately he would, uh, they should be called children, not just of Abraham, but children of God. Something uh, Tiffany said uh, to me before church uh, makes me think a way of describing what's going on here is uh, God's great adoption agency. This is why we talk about being a child of Abraham uh, because even though it used to mean being a blood relative of Abraham and being Jewish, what we hear from Jesus and the New Testament is, is that it is much more about the way Abraham responded to God's promises than, say, being able to find Abraham in your tree on Ancestry.com. The other thing about children is they inherit what belongs to their parents. 
So when the parents are gone, their possessions, the family business, if they have one of those, the knickknacks, and the promises in Abraham's day, uh, and here the expectation is every child of Abraham receives the promises of God to him. Now that's not to say that uh, we should get strictly the same thing as Abraham in his specific time and place. That's not what receiving this inheritance means. As I've already mentioned, these, the way these promises worked out uh, and are received by those who come after Abraham, more and more is revealed, isn't it? The framework is given here, but as the Bible unfolds, the way that is built out, uh, we see an extraordinary high definition until we arrive at the good news and history-changing life of Jesus Christ. So I take it the third promise in the second half of verse 2, I will make your name great, is one that doesn't evolve after Abraham. After all, we are still talking about him now, nearly 4,000 years later. His name, and we're not just talking about the letters that identify him, but who he was and his legacy is still on the lips of so many today, including you and me. What are those promises so far? Land, nation, name, and the last one is blessing. Now, I I think words are strange things sometimes. Uh, And I think that applies as much to the word blessing as any other word I can think of. This is the sort of word that when you, you may hear and even use all the time. I mean, especially in our circles. And yet, uh, still not really know what it means. I'm talking about this from my own experience, in fact. Uh, this very word, when I started teaching scripture in schools, uh, it used to keep coming up. And what struck me was how often it came up and how, and because I was thinking of how can I explain this to my year five class, I realised, well, I could use the word and I could give you examples of where the word was used, but I hadn't actually pinned down, what does it really mean? Well, then, Here's what I came up with from God's word. Being blessed is being shown someone's loving kindness. Being blessed by God is being shown the extraordinary kindness of God. And it's beautiful the way God couches all of these promises here in the promise of blessing. From verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham the man will be blessed. Through Abraham, others will see the Lord's blessing, which in in itself is a blessing. And finally, these promises to Abraham, they're not for him alone, verse 3, for all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the reason that you and I are here today. Hearing God's word, 
as people on the other side of the world from where God spoke to Abraham and living down through the ages since. And these promises are promises offered to us. Remember the words of our second reading, uh, those from Galatians 3. Let me uh, recap from verse 7. Paul writes, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel, Gentiles are anyone who's not a Jew, uh, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The very words we've been reading here in Genesis 12, Paul quotes them in Galatians and says, that's the Lord promising the gospel good news we have in Jesus. What is that gospel? Well, Paul explains it in the the wider passage as we read it. The Lord Jesus come into the world to pay the judgment price that we owed for our rebellion and sin. And what's more, We don't have to be a physical descendant of Abraham to to experience the blessings promised here. How do we receive it? By faith. By believing. By trusting the promises of God. Living our lives in light of them. That's, That's what faith means and that reflects the character of Abraham the man of faith, the father of faith. Not that we deserve God's blessing, but that in his kindness and despite what we deserve, he offers us it anyway. Wonderfully for us. God doesn't bind himself to treating us according to our sinful character, but according to his sacrificial loving character. Not sure if that's true of Abraham. Uh, Did he deserve God's promises? I've heard of people saying that he did. But notice here in the immediate context, no reason is given for God choosing Abraham. He is like everyone else. In fact, uh, in the book of Joshua, uh, which comes a couple of books later, in chapter 24, verse 2, Uh, Joshua uh, says to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. You only have to read uh, on from Genesis 12 to see. We did this a few years ago as a church. Abraham and his sons, it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Abraham deserved God's curse even though he needed God's blessing. And we're no different. Even though we can compare ourselves to each other and say, I'm not that bad. Or we can watch the news and hear of others and what they've done and say, well, I'm not anything like them. But then why would God go to all this trouble in the life of Abraham, in the life of Jesus? and now in yours, if he didn't think otherwise. And the wonderful thing about this good news is there isn't 
you know, more than one version. We all need to hear the same version, whether you're someone who's trusted Jesus for years or you're someone who before today had not yet. This is God's promise to us, his great gift, that we can live our life in relationship with him and be members of his eternal church and live confidently under his loving and secure reign. And it is ours if we, like Abraham, are willing to believe it. And so let me ask you, are you a child of Abraham? It is a great privilege to be able to answer yes. You don't need to be Jewish by birth, and most of us are not. But if you trust in the Lord Jesus, that he saved you, that he reigns over you, you too are one of Abraham's children. Yours is the inheritance of God that God promised to Abraham and has given us in the Lord Jesus. That's why Jesus said to the religious leaders, Abraham rejoiced to see at the thought of seeing Jesus' day. He saw it and was glad. That's why we're hearing this message. Looking back to God's beginnings with Abraham, rejoicing in the faithfulness of the Lord who keeps his promises. And so we want and long for and pray that that every person would respond as we have the opportunity and want to be a child of Abraham. I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much for reminding us again of your extraordinary grace. Thank you that you do not treat us as we deserve, but wonderfully bless us to know you, to know your love, self-sacrificial love in Jesus our Lord, and to know through him life, life in him. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would add to our number uh, many that so many people, and it would be multiplied across our community and country and world, would want to be a child of Abraham because indeed we may be and we need to be through the Lord Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.